to me, it's all about taking slack out of the line. How do you look at a process that's being done and how do you reduce the turn time, reduce the cost, improve the experience? People come to the San Francisco Bay Area for many reasons, a spectacular natural setting, a sophisticated lifestyle, and unique professional opportunities. Those seeking these qualities will find all that and more at Hacienda, where you can work, live, and grow. A Hacienda location means having the best of everything within easy reach. Whether it's world-class restaurants, theaters, and museums, the best learning institutions in the country, or some of the finest services available. That particularly applies to businesses wanting the best address to have easy access to needed resources, being among the industry leaders, and knowing that you are part of a region that leads the world in innovation. The result, an unbeatable combination that leads to success, and that is what you will find at Hacienda. Find out more by visiting Hacienda on the web at hacienda.org. In today's conversation, I sit down with Anthony Romano, the CEO of Cretelligent, a company that powers the commercial real estate space by providing an innovative approach to gather a number of due diligence data. Anthony's prior experience in commercial real estate and technology prepared him well for this role, but it's the opportunity to transform an industry not known for innovation that motivates him the most. Welcome to the podcast, Anthony. Anthony, good afternoon. How are you? I'm well, Vlad. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So where do we find you today? Where Where are you? I'm uh, at Critelligence uh, headquarters, which is here in Northern California, just outside of Sacramento. It's hot, but it's uh, it's also really smoky. So you, you've seen some of these really tragic fires, both in Northern and Southern California. And we're, we're, uh, you know, when the wind changes, the, the air quality outside is just nuts. So it's a beautiful place to live, but three months of the year, we're getting a ton of fire. So, yeah, yeah, that's certainly a tough time of the year for sure, for sure. So, Anthony, tell us a little bit about your company, your role, and how the winding road of your career got you to where you are. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, maybe just as, you know, by, by, by way of background, uh, you know, I, I've been in really you know, software systems and technology since out of college. I started right out of college with IBM. Okay. Moved to a software and services company, a big IBM business partner for a number of years. And then in early 2000, founded a firm called Customer Link, co-founded it with uh, another guy. And we built that company up for a number of years. He actually went to uh, as the CEO and continued to run it and sold it to Intuit uh, years later and, and, and did really well. His name's Mark Cockridge, and he actually runs operations here now at, uh, at Critelligent. Okay. And then in you know, maybe 2003, I, I swear I really made my you know foray and got involved into the real estate finance industry. And it was with a, a data and analytics company here in Sacramento. And two years after I had joined, I rebranded that company to CoreLogic. And we continued to operate right up until 2007. And we sold CoreLogic to First American. And you would think of, most people think of First American as a big um, you know, insurance and title provider, but sure. it's a $7 billion business under the hood. There's a lot going on. And so they bought the company, which was, we were doing maybe $80, $80 million in revenue in 2007. And three years later, First American decided that they had a number of acquisitions they had made that were very different margin profile than the, the title business. And uh, there was, you know, they wanted to unlock some of the value. So long story short, we 
under the moniker CoreLogic, the business that we had you know, sold them, we spun out about a billion and a half dollars of businesses and went public okay. uh, in June of 2010. And that was a tri-merge credit business, and a tax business, and a flood business, valuation, all really aimed at residential, real estate, and capital markets. Uh, and so I, I ran a big piece of that from 2010 to 2013. And then I returned to First American in the capacity of chief revenue officer and stayed 2014 to 2018 and absolutely you know, sort of was having a ball uh, until I got introduced to Cartelligent. <laughs> okay, <laughs> great, great. And so tell us, what does a company do? Tell us a little bit about sort of where your space is, you know, who are some of your clients, whom do you serve in the industry? would first tell you when I, I started as the CEO in uh, January of 2019, and the business at that time was called East Green Logic and it had been operating for about three and a half years. It was really the uh, the focus of East Green Logic was environmental assessments. And okay. that was bringing environmental consulting and data and analytics kind of together to improve the you know, the transaction around environmental assessments. And of course, on the on the residential side, other than maybe on the Freddie Fannie, you know, 1004 valuation form, an appraiser might note on a, on a residential property, you know, a plume or something of that nature. But there's really no, you know, there's certainly no phase one. There's no real formal uh, environmental assessment. But on the commercial transaction, of course, it's compulsory in some form or fashion. Yes. It's done on every day. Right. And so I got very intrigued with the how fragmented and dislocated the market was you know, how big the opportunity was. And when I looked at environmental assessments, what you realize is it's one of the key pillars in the broader umbrella of just commercial real estate due diligence. And so you've got inspection, you've got valuations, you've got, you know, flood and hazard, environmental, and there's there's you know, dozens of altas, zoning compliance, and lots that has to get done in a transaction. And so as we started to build out the solution suite well beyond environmental. And there's dozens of flavors of all these different products. Yep. Yep. East Green Logic became just much too narrow of a name, didn't really represent what we're doing. So we rebranded, I think, uh, around Thanksgiving of, of last year, 2020, to Critelligent, which is much better representation of, of our suite. The, the markets loved it, investors have loved it. Uh, it's just better, better representation. And we also launched what I believe is the most innovative. You know, sort of technology platform in the commercial real estate space. It's called Radius, and it is a it's a you know a, a platform that allows a provisioned user to log on and to enter an address, an APN, or a lat long, and immediately identify their their property and its boundaries, and it could be multi parcel, etc. And then once that's done, you can order, status, get delivery, and archive any product, solution, or service we have. So that could be an environmental assessment. It could be an appraisal. It could be a property condition assessment. It could be a micro market report, a flood zone determination, yep. an Alta survey. There's all these products that are available that what you had to do in the past was send emails and make phone calls to dozens and dozens of vendors. All of that is now done inside of Radius and, and done very, you know, sort of very efficiently. So. Yeah, what what sort of strikes me about this is, you know, my, my experience has been that these types of services usually were done by like, you know, one or two kind of local firms who had an expertise in a certain submarket, right, geographic, right? And they had a lot of relationships throughout the industry and that's sort of how they kept getting getting business, right? What what you're describing is sort of a, a kind of a robust tool that now moves a lot of that personal attention to the technology space. Is that is that an accurate way of saying that? 
Yeah, I mean, we can we can speak more about the personal attention because we we have yes, kind of a white, and, white glove concierge. Not service. do no, yeah, no, no, I, right, right. <laughs> well, though, but I think you, in the way you described it is beautiful. The challenge there is that, so you've got a valuation company in a market next to an appraisal company right, next right. to a data company, and depending on how big your lending footprint is, you know, if it's nationwide, boy, you're in trouble. You're managing hundreds and hundreds of vendor relationships. That's right. And, yep. And these banks are, you know, OCC regulated and it requires third party oversight and guidance. And so you're doing business reviews and audits and contracts. And it's, it's a very, uh, you know, challenging and, and laborious process. So yep. we felt like this technology platform and a nationwide ability to deliver, um, you know, automated products, manumatted products and full service kind of site recon products would, um, you know, would really hit the mark. And, and we've proven now we've gone from, zero users to north of 3,000 users. And we've added, I think, 140 customers year to date in uh, banking, insurance, and, and legal advisory firms. So we've gotten really great validation from the marketplace that there's, you know, the problem exists. Sure, sure. Well, and it's not just a problem. It's a necessary step to the transaction completion also, right? I mean, that's kind of like what you're getting at, right? Is that all these things need to happen. And on, on the commercial end, you have to have this evaluation done, right? There's 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 no way around it, correct? Correct. So tell me a little bit about that. Uh, I mean, because this is kind of an interesting time. And even though what you're doing as a service is not necessarily new, but the way that you're doing it is obviously new. There's a, There's a lot of kind of buzz around prop tech and, you know, that kind of stuff, I, I would almost categorize you out of that group simply because of the fact that you're performing a service that, you know, existed long ago, right? You're, you're just optimizing and using technology to be better at it. Does that sort of help you guys? Are you guys thinking of, of yourselves as kind of a prop tech firm or where do you sit on that? Yeah, no, that's, a good, that's a great question. I mean, look, there's a uh... If you think about, you know, fintech, prop tech, real estate tech, uh, you know, there's literally been billions of dollars invested right. in, in the space. And it really started, you know, in residential. And I, you know, back in the CoreLogic days, you'd call on the, the big banks and, you know, the credit card guys would look at the residential mortgage guys and say, Oh my God, you're so antiquated, right? right. You don't, <laughs> you don't use data, you don't use lies. Well, now, now the residential guys look at the commercials and say, Holy cow, you got, you know, you're slow, you're uninspiring process, et cetera. But if you think about, the beginnings of the Zillows and the Redfins and then the Blends and the Roostifies and the Capsulon. And you saw the Intercontinental Exchange pay, you know, $16 billion for Ellie Mae yeah. and that loan origination system, that platform. So there's no doubt that the days of, you know, faxing your W-2s and bank statements to, <laughs> yes. you know, lenders, and stuff, that, that's gone, right. right? Should we explain what faxing is to the audience? Uh, <laughs> may, we may We may need to. <laughs> Uh, it's funny. My daughter always says the same thing. She, yeah. She's like, Dad, Dad why, hey, why do you need a real estate agent? Why do you need a loan officer? I say, hey, just sl <laughs> slow down, okay? Like, <laughs> but I think in the commercial side, they're under those headings that you mentioned, fintech, prop tech, et cetera. Yep, yep. There's firms like Cherry, CompStack, Moody's REIS is doing some neat stuff, um, Rick Trap and the guys at Rockport, Rockport yep. Bow, uh, Collateral Analytics. There's there's more going on in the in the commercial side. And for us, what Cartelligent and Radius has been, you, you said, hey, this, some of this stuff's been around for a while, but we've added workflow, we've added decision engines, we've added sure, bump sure. logic, we've added scoring and a lot of IP to where, you know, there's a there's just a tremendous uh, amount of disparate data that's available in the market that you've got to go to, again, dozens of providers to pull information together to make a good decision. And in, in, in real estate, and certainly with the 
type of firms we talk to, whether it's an owner operator buying the property or selling it yep. or the bank lending or insurance company put a policy on it, you're either trying to arbitrage an opportunity or mitigate a risk. Right. And to do that, you need a lot of d- data. So we've been able to aggregate a lot of disparate data and that becomes ingredient brand into a kind of a finished good report with analytics that drives workflow. And so, I mean, I do kind of categorize this as under the prop tech, real estate tech, but your point is, is uh, good in that I, I don't see in commercial it being about a revolution. I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's too big of an industry and there's they're really set in some ways. I think you will see evolution. So not massive disruption, but tech-enabled services, technology platform, end-to-end due diligence. And I think what it'll do is bring efficiency, collapse the transaction cycle time, reduce costs, and, and ultimately you know improve the experience of all the participants. Yeah, there's no doubt about that for sure. Just like you were explaining kind of when you were, you know, looking at the space that you guys are in now and you were describing it essentially as a as kind of a lot of disparate players in, you know, local markets. You know, it seems like that's kind of what's what's happening in this sort of fintech prop tech industry also, right? And and at some level you kind of think about this and you're like, okay, the way this is heading is at some point there's gonna be, you know, five providers that will have, you know, 80% of all the services <laughs> throughout throughout the industry. Do you anticipate that? Do you think that at some point, you know, your firm might become part of these bigger offerings that uh, could eventually be owned by, I don't know, JLL or somebody like that? It's interesting when I look at our, you know, I could kind of categorize, you know, segments and verticals. And so, so a segment might be lender services, Verticals underneath might be commercial brokers and banks and credit unions. And then clients would be CBRE, J- JLL, Marks and Mills, Shop, et cetera. And you go around the horn. We've also made this big foray into the corporate side, which again is law firms, advisory firms, a ton of insurance companies. And then at the end of the day, it's the owner operator, right? right it's the, it's right. the, it's Sunoco, Motel 6, Sherman Williams, the gap. It's folks that are buying, disposing of and managing these commercial assets. And I think that. You know, Curtelligent has the the opportunity. If you think about like a, you know, you can go direct to an individual airline to try to get a ticket, and look at prices. You can go to Southwest and Delta and and, and American, etc. Or you can go to an Expedia or a Priceline, or you can go up one level to a kayak. And that's really what we're trying to provide is kind of a, you know, a, a commercial real estate storefront for before, during, and after the transaction to yep. to get all of the information and services that you need, you know, to get kind of to get a deal done. We had a commercial broker, fairly significant commercial broker in town who came over and said, look, I'm working on a a project here in Sacramento. I've got 22 vendors involved in this transaction. It's just a really uninspiring process and it's really expensive. So we won't eliminate all those, but we, you know, I think they're, I think we've got an opportunity to be, you know, a a real significant player um, in, in, in the space. Your point about consolidation, I've seen it in the data world. If you look on the Residential data side, you see, you know, Black Knight, CoreLogic, First American, Adam are the primary data aggregators in that space. And at least for real property data, if you looked at environmental data and commercial, you'd see EDR, Eris, EnviroSite, and a couple others. So maybe eventually some of that happens, but I think we really like to lead from the front in this regard with the feedback that we're getting from clients and, and their success. Yeah. Have you been successful at generating a national footprint? Or are you still West Coast based? Kind of like where where are you there? No, we have. I think of the of the hundred and forty new clients that we have, you know, year to date. I think they're in thirty two states. So okay. we're we're providing this platform and these services uh, nationally today. We haven't done anything outside of the U.S. We have some uh, some interesting kind of alliance conversations and aspirations there. But we're yeah we're focused really 
here in the on the U.S. commercial market. Yeah, and it's vast, so <laughs> plenty, <Yeah. laughs> plenty of blue ocean to cover, right? One question that I want to shift towards is kind of towards COVID, and I don't kind of want to talk about you know where you guys are as a firm and you know you know all of that, but I look at COVID as kind of something that's really accelerated a lot of businesses in a certain direction. In one way, you can look at it, you know, it was a challenge, but when there's a challenge, there's also opportunities. What has been the impact of the last 18 months on your company? Well, as I mean, as it relates to the, the pandemic, obviously the health and human impact, you know, around the globe has been super tragic and, and that, that part of it has been sad. But the, the other side of it for us, and we've said this a lot as a, as a leadership team, you know, sort of, Calm seas make lousy sailors. Yeah. And just gave us the opportunity to deal with some real, you know, real world realities of, okay, well, everybody's going remote. We have people all over the country. So there's some aspect of remote, but everybody's going to remote immediately. Uh, we looked around and made some hard decisions. We uh, very thankfully didn't have to reduce any staff, but we divested a whole division. Yeah. We focused on our core, you know, core business. I went out and raised additional capital to shore up and, you know, ensure we had the right capital. And then, you know, most importantly, we focus on the health and wellness of our staff and things like Microsoft Teams and Zoom and, you know, made it easier sure, to, to continue sure. to stay connected. And we have a whole bunch of programs and plays that we ran in order to do that. So we were, you know, really blessed and really fortunate that, that things went well in that regard. But there was a ton of other, as you say, so, you know, sort of silver lining. The, the talent pool that was available was so rich. And, and in some ways you say, oh, that sucks. It's those guys, you know, people lost their jobs. But we've hired almost 40 people year to date. And, you know, That's half great. of those we wouldn't have been able to get. Yeah. Uh, they would, they, you know, they were, they were somewhere else. And, and so that, that was kind of cool. And we've added again, 140 clients and they were looking for stable, reliable vendor relationships. When you have a local vendor or business partner and it's a small company and they don't do well, then they're on one knee and, and you need another provider. So yeah, we launched six or seven new solutions, you know, to better serve the clients during time. So we, it was definitely a challenge, but we, we've navigated and we're a better company for it, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And the people that you hired uh, locally in Northern California or sort of throughout those 32 plus, you know, states that, you know, you guys are servicing? Our centers, I mean, we've done, we did a fair amount of hiring in Texas, in Connecticut, in Florida, uh, in Portland. We acquired, I mean, we, we acquired two companies during that time frame. Wow, one okay. In, uh, one, in, one in Minneapolis and one up in, in Portland. And so... Yeah, it's been it's been all over uh, DC, Denver. Uh, just brought on a couple folks. Uh, we, we had six or seven folks uh, in the last, geez, sixty days that have come over from CoStar, S and P Global Markets. You know that were, were employed, and that's another level of validation for me, not sure. just from the client, sure, but sure. these people that that say, "Wow, we love what you're doing," and think you're, you know, this is really something yeah. the business or industry needs. And the companies that you were buying were they within your space already, you know, playing there, or kind of uh, something something new that you might explore in the future? No, I think that when I looked at the the market at the outset, you know, even before I took the role, that's what I saw was that yeah. level of fragmentation. And so the the notion of you know whether it be environmental firms, inspection firms, valuation firms in these, as you, you said it really well, you got great geographic competence, you've got good customer base, you've got a great reputation, but you you might only have a few, you know, a few employees and you don't have a technology platform. And maybe you only offer one of the 12 things that client needs to get done. Sure. And so we acquire that business. We bring the Radius technology platform to those clients. We bring the entire end-to-end suite of, you know, products, and then you wind up doubling and tripling revenue. And so that is... That is a real key part of our strategy over the next 
12 to 18 months and we call it a high velocity roll-up play and we're we're engaged in a big way right now uh to grow inorganically our organic growth will be great but but we think there's a real opportunity for um you know for a roll-up yeah 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 so let me go back to the notion that you and i addressed earlier in this in this conversation that this is kind of the personal touch right and i think in your in your logo if i'm not mistaken you know you talk about this right you you have the technology but you also have the people that will sort of help your clients navigate through this to this process right so it's not like some cold kind of you know, digital, you know, relationship that, that your clients have with uh, with your, you know, radius platform only. Tell us about that. Tell us, you know, how do you look at using technology as a really successful tool, but at the same time still maintaining that relationship with the companies that are, you know, really sometimes looking for, um, you know, folks to help them kind of get to the next level, if you will. Yeah, well, in terms of the the, lo- the logo, I think we say intelligent, you know, kind of commercial real estate due diligence simplified, but we do, we do sort of wrap that with the, the meta message around high tech when you want it, high touch when you need it. Right. And that means to me, you can come to Radius and you can have a very frictionless experience and transaction and get the information you need to go make a good decision and, and you don't need to interact or talk to us. However, uh, we, as we watched many of our competitors kind of, you know, get rid of their support teams and, and things of that nature, we leaned in. We doubled and then tripled our customer success team because, again, in residential, it might be a little bit easier process, but in a commercial real estate deal, when you're buying a 20 or $30 million transaction, you want to talk to somebody yeah. and you want to walk through the process and the turn time and, and the com- com- you know, components and complexities depending on asset class and property type and, and loan amounts. I mean, you, th- th- that's a dialogue that you want to have with a firm that you've got you know, to your point, a, a, a relationship with. So I don't think, um, I think automation and platform is great. It will never take the place of our customer success team being available for clients. And I think it technology might be able to enhance the relationship and experience, but it'll never replace it. It's just n- not going to happen. Yeah, and, and kind of what I was going with that with that question also, you know, and, and Anthony, I mean, you've, you've, you've been around, you know, this, you know, business for, for, a, for a while. I, I do sometimes sense, and I've worked in technology myself, that sometimes people think that technology is a solution to sort of everything, right? And more technology will solve even more of your problems kind of deal, right? And I think sometimes they lose this, reference point of, well, you still got to deal with people, right? Yes. <laughs> at, yes. at the end of the day. And I just wanted to sort of see from your experience, you know, do, do you feel that as this industry is going to get more automated and more digitized and more services and, you know, enterprise sort of solutions will, will enter the space, do you feel that some of that will be lost? Will that be a challenge? Uh, my hypothesis is yes, but I would love to hear what you have to say about that too. I, I agree with your hypothesis. I think the firms that will will do it best will have a bifurcated approach, that they'll leverage the technology that will bring reduced cost and efficiency, that will bring a better experience, but they they won't lose the human touch, the human element, and the relationship because e- even the use case in any one of those verticals, whether it be a broker, a bank, insurance company, is different at a company level because of their policy and their sure. process. And, yep. and the one thing I would say in real estate is, uh, look, we've been talking about e-mortgage since 2002. Yeah. <laughs> We're 20 years later and it just took me almost 60 days to refinance my house That's right. at a 30% <laughs> yeah, right. LTV. You know, like, so, right. so 
the average age of an appraiser is, you know, 59 and a half years old right now. And everybody said, well, look, the, the drones are going to replace everybody. Well, I right. haven't seen a drone up yet. And that was 10 years ago. We were yeah. talking about. So I think you've got a lot of regulation around um, uh, these industries, which I think makes sense, particularly on the residential side with the CFPB and, and you know, predatory lending and protecting borrowers. So I see technology as really being able to make mass improvements of, of efficiency and cost. But man, the human element in this industry, I think, doesn't go away. Yeah, yeah. Anthony, you talked about the challenges that have focused you guys on some, you know, realignment. You talked about, you know, growth over the last year or so. Where is your focus then for, you know, next year and beyond? Where are you guys looking to, you know, expand your business and, you know, grow further? Yeah, I mean, we're so we we started. A, we got a pretty aggressive kind of business plan and, and roadmap and playbook, and and the crux of it, or at least the the core of it, is growing our existing segments. So that's again, commercial broker, credit unions, banks, and and really helping them provide a better experience, you know, in the in the transaction. And then it's moving into some of these new verticals, going a bit deeper into the owner operator space, the um, certainly insurance, specialty insurance. We've got you know four of the top ten specialty insurance firms that are now clients and and really satisfied users. And we've got two or three others that we're uh, working closely with. So we, if you think about the ecosystem of, you know, developer and contractor and title company and, you know, just go down the list of, of the type of firms that are involved in the transaction, there's, there's just many of them that can use this platform, that can use our mobile technology, um, and that can use this data in order to make good decisions. So that's, we're kind of leaning in, you know, there in a, in a big way. Uh, we do think there's a place for, you know, some expert system. Everybody talks AI. Yeah. Uh, I think before before AI, you need machine learning. Before machine learning, you need an expert system. So sure. we've got, you know, some data scientists, you know, that were, were working on aggregating data and making some predictive analytics and using econometrics. So we, we, we like that, again, directionally. Uh, the disparate data sets are uh, vast. I mean, when you think of just environmental People think environmental, the first thing you think is risk on the hazard side, right? Contamination and hazard, and that's certainly an element of it. The other side of the equation is sustainability and conservation. And there are great data sets. I mean, some data sets out there that you can look at a micro market down to like a census track level and see, you know, the number of trees, the water quality, the air quality, the happiness quotient. So when you're going to make a selection on your you know, site or your commercial property location, you're looking at dozens of them. The more data and information you have, both on the opportunity and risk side, the better it is. So we're, you know, we're sort of leaning in there, and that'll that's uh, you know big focus of this whole movement in ESG around you know decision making and compliance. And I think that sure. that'll be a big piece of what we're doing. We've uh, you know involved in that, and then the roll ups. We're, we're we're actively working on these strategic acquisitions. Um, so those that's kind of the the big playbook. But maybe maybe more important than anything, it's kind of staying true to our our culture and ethos and yeah. just keeping Cretelage in a great place to work. So it, it it appears to me that with all this sort of data and information that you guys are gathering from from these dis, disparate you know sources that, that that you are almost creating a new maybe not a new but a much you know much bigger data set from which to make a decision, right? Does does that make decisioning harder then? Or do you deprioritize certain things now or reprioritize other things? Do you see any movement there? When you say that, so these, you know, when I look at, I guess maybe we could just break down an example. When I look at, you know, like a, a profit. Yeah. So, so like when, when you said things like, you know, happiness coefficient and how many trees are located there and air quality and, you know, things like that, w- one would assume that if this is now a part of the evaluation of a, 
of a certain property that that you know th- those metrics just were not tracked in the past you know 10 15 20 years ago right they either were tracked or or you as the user who was going to make the decision had to have a relationship with 26 different companies right, to go right. get small pieces of data so what we said is we'll we'll aggregate that those data sets will be the ingredient brand into this finished good product let's just call it a report that has you know analytics on it, decisioning on it, and scoring on it, so that you can more accurately, with higher quality and and in a less expensive way, make the right decision. And that could be again a risk avoidance decision, an opportunity arbitrage decision, approving a loan, putting the policy on a loan, listing the property. I mean, there's just so many of these nodes in the transaction that need you know need information. And then they need the services that go with as well. Sure. Once you look at data around environmental risk. You might need a, a desktop environmental assessment. We'll do that. You might need a phase one environmental assessment. We do that. You know, you we, you might need subsurface impact and drilling. We do that. So along the continuum, it starts with automated and data products, but it immediately gets to you know the full service site reconnaissance that we do around the country as well. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. And where do you think some of your biggest challenges lie lie ahead of you? You know, it's interesting when you look at commercial real estate. And this, where are we? What's what's happening in the industry? At the, at the outset of COVID, you heard, you know, so many CEOs come out going, "Holy cow, we're gonna we're gonna reduce our real estate footprint by eighty percent." Everybody's right. working from home, and look how look how productive and happy everybody is. And it, of course, the house wasn't supposed to be an office, a gym, a restaurant, a school. You know, like. So I think you'll see, I don't, I, I think there's three asset classes that, you know, certainly we're under and, and continue maybe to be a, under a bit of pressure, like hospitality, office and retail probably come to the top of the list. But I do not think, you know, you're going to see, you know, cranes and wrecking balls taking buildings down. I think there's some reimagining of use cases and of business models and things. I think you'll see a hybrid office environment, even, even with us here in Northern California. Office, 100%, you know, yeah. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't missed a day in the office. But 90% of our employees now are, they're in one day, they're in two days, they're in three days, and they are absolutely productive from home. But you you certainly miss something from a camaraderie standpoint, an energy standpoint, when you're, you know, when you're in person. So when, when that can be done the right way safely, I think you'll see, you know, at least some of these hybrid uh, type of scenarios. But, but, but I don't think in commercial, we'll see the distress that we saw, you know, in droves coming out of the financial crisis right. on the resi side. right. right. There are definitely some workouts. You know, I have a, a customer advisory council that's made up of many, uh, you know, chief revenue or chief chief risk officers and chief credit officers. They're they're not they're not writing down assets. They're they're doing some workouts and they're working with their business clients really closely. But yeah, I don't I don't see that. You know, so that 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 won't pose the craziest challenge. And look, there's a lot of money on the sidelines right now yes. in commercial real yes. estate. People yep. that are yep. really opportunistic on on different asset classes and moving in and. Which, which I think is cool. So, and we've got right now, I mean, at some point, uh, the 10-year drives these mortgage rates. At, t- at some point, rates will go up, which will put a little pressure on affordability and refinance transactions. But right now, we like the market and we like the opportunity with the you know the services that we're bringing to the market. Yeah. I think the challenge with what you said about the rates going up is I've heard that story now for about 10 years. <laughs> that the <laughs> rates are going up next year for sure. That continues to be a kind of a, kind of a, kind of an kind of an interesting thing, right? How uh, all this, you know, money supply and all these things were all pointing in the right in that direction and you know still things seem to kind of um, keep moving on. What I'm also curious about is as you look at some of these, you know, asset classes, are you noticing any new trends, anything kind of happening there that maybe, you know, wasn't around a few years ago? 
how investors, bank, insurance companies are looking at some of these you know assets. What's their mindset? Yeah, new trends. I mean, I think you know, in the in the office space, I think you use uh, and it actually was. And when I started with IBM, we we, we used the term then, and that's you know, it's thirty years ago. It was hoteling, right? It was sort of this notion of uh, it's not like you go into your office, you're tw- you know there twelve hours a day, and you got every wall's got a picture of your kids on it, type of a thing. It's you go to the office a couple of three days, and we've got space for you to yeah. plug in and be comfortable and interact with your. Uh, you know, uh, teammates, et cetera, but it's in a hoteling type of a concept. So I think we'll, that, that hybrid piece is, is certainly for real. Um, re, you know, retail, some of these strip malls, obviously you saw some, you know, the hairdressers and, and, uh, pet supply and a lot of these guys, they didn't make it through, through this process. And so, uh, it'll be interesting to see in those centers what, what happens next. Yeah. And, and yeah, is it sure. service facilities? Is it, you know, it just it just kind of a reimagining of that. Obviously, some of the asset classes, for example, industrial, has gone crazy. I mean, gangbusters, and yep. and it's continuing to be continued to, to sort of you know be really hot. So yeah, it's uh it'll be it's just it, it, as I as I watch it, I what I don't see is is again the, the 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 level of stress. And I think perhaps some of that is if you look at the loan products, you know, resi versus uh, commercial. You don't see these crazy esoteric high LTV loans, right? Your most commercial transactions are 10 and 20 year products and they're like 70 LTV and below. Yeah. So on a $10 million building, if it, it you know, if it drops by a million dollars, nobody's going to, you know, get overly concerned there. You don't have a negative equity situation and, and things of that nature. Yep. Yeah. Makes sense. And, and I think where, where we're headed also is that, you know, we, we don't seem to be in, in the world of, uh, Lack of supply, right? Which which sort of helps things too. And certainly, as you talk about, you know, you know, a lot of the money kind of standing on the sidelines. I think a lot of it has been expecting that uh, you know COVID would create some kind of a arbitrage type of opportunity, but it hasn't really been. Nothing's been discounted yet, which is sort of interesting. So, yeah, spare for some hotel properties and you know maybe thing, things like that. Yep. Agree, but kind of an interesting sort of space. As we close this interview, I'd like to kind of turn this a little bit inwards towards you as a person, right? You've, like many of us, go through different companies and different sort of phases of your career to land where you are. For people who are interested in commercial real estate and especially doing technology within commercial real estate, what would you tell like a young person coming out of college? You know how to how to think of this industry as an opportunity? That's a good. That's a really good question. I. I'll start with just broadly speaking, when you look at any industry, any market, any business, to me, it's all about taking slack out of the line. How do you look at a process that's being done and how do you reduce the turn time, reduce the cost, improve the experience? And so you sort of look at, and we did this in the insurance vertical, you look at the tasks that they're trying to get done from start to completion. And you interrogate each node in the process and you use data and analytics and workflow and technology to figure out how to improve it. In commercial real estate right now, there's a ton of opportunity yeah. for that. Yeah. It's just, just a ton of a ton of opportunity for that. So I think as a leader, your job, and, and I certainly look in the mirror every day, say don't get distracted. You, there's a lot of stuff you can you can focus on and you can circle the drain on. And if you're not focused on a core vision and a core mission, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. You got to remind yourself of that because you can really get distracted quick and and lose momentum. Yeah. 
Anthony, thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us. I really appreciate learning more about your company and the industry as a whole. Uh, stay safe and uh, we'll be in touch. No, Vlad, thank you very much. Really love what you guys are doing at the registry and appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for listening to the Real Perspectives podcast. Stories like these help us shape our understanding of the industry, and we appreciate you taking the time to listen to it. Please follow us on any app where you get your podcasts and tell your colleagues about us. Thank you in helping us spread the word about our work and the industry that is changing the face of business.